ハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハハ A beast of a Halloween. So I thought I'd tune in for a moment and let you know that I'll be watching as they review cancelled shows episode by episode. <laughs> My favorite shows from the small scream. So, with that, kiddies, be careful what you ask for. You may get it. Welcome to the Dead TV Podcast, a podcast dedicated to all the canceled television shows of the horror, science fiction, and fantasy genres. I'm your host, Mistress Zeneca. And I'm your host, Dr. Chris. And tonight, we are continuing our discussion of the MTV's 90s uh, oddities TV series, cartoon series, The Max. The Max. Episodes 3, 4, and 5 today. Uh, episodes 3 and 4 originally aired April 17, 1995. Mr. Gong gets the upper hand against Max and Julie, but for how long? Max and Julie do their best to try to talk Sarah out of her gun-wielding confusion. Episode 5 and 6. Oh, so you do the plot lines for all of them? Ah, I figured, you know. 5 and 6, IMDb doesn't even have, like, a lot of information for these episodes. So we pick up where we left off. Every episode seems to have an opening little intro of, like, what the Max is and who Julie is. And what yeah, his mission that's, is. That's that's the introduction. You know, that's the opening sequence. The guy in the cab is the friend of the victim from the previous episode who got taken by Mr. Gon. Yes, uh, that is Glory's boyfriend. And uh, he, in Fat. this episode... Sorry, what? Fat lot of good he did. Oh, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, he He basically took her to the hospital after... Uh, Mr. Gone uh, raped and, and tortured her. And so he was actually a very compassionate character for Glory. And in the comics, as, as you continue to read it, uh, those two characters actually stay together for a very long time. Ah. That, that kind of surprises me, but sure. Um, he, uh, the visitor in the hospital says her hands were broken, maybe? Yeah, she was trying to beat him off of her oh, and okay. was unsuccessful. Yikes. He was complaining about having to take algebra in summer school. I took algebra in summer school when this cartoon was out. <laughs> so I thought that was like very relatable. I was like, oh, hey, I took algebra in summer school. I uh, wasn't driving at the time. 
I don't remember how much gas was a gallon because on the signpost it says it's a dollar nineteen a gallon. Don't we wish it was that much today? <laughs> it's like yeah. three nineteen a gallon right now. Oh, I just filled up for three forty five. Jesus Christ. I know. It's ridiculous. Also, um the uh the can of soda that's in the shot of uh Mr. Gon- um after um after we had the fight between um Max and Mr. Gon, um and what looked like Mr. Max killing his uh his hostage, which ends up being the CPR dummy, which is very funny. Um uh, because you almost really think that Max kills this woman. Mm-hmm. Um, Mr. Gon's taking a bath, and he's got a uh, eight up can. I guess it's supposed to be a parody of Seven Up. Yeah, yeah, it looks exactly like Seven Up, but it says eight up. And also, what looks like the hat of a cat in the hat. Yes, and I do believe that that might be an inspiration for later in the series. What the hat? The the cat in the hat references because there's the upcoming episode that's very cat in the hat ish. Mm, definitely. Foreshadowing. So, in this episode, right away, Julie is taken by Black Isis. And then you see in Mr. Gon's little cow bathroom uh, that he has her tied up in uh, ropes, tethers from her neck, and uh, she's kind of dressed in this very frilly outfit uh, as if she's some sort of sex kitten Mm -hmm. and he has all intentions of raping and torturing her and really having fun with her as best he he wants to you know um and she is acting in two different worlds she's acting in two different worlds her spiritual mental self the jungle queen is in this protective stance you know, the the drawing for her character is very liney, is, is very precise, I would have to say. And her anger and revenge are playing it. Uh, and she's kind of brushing this doll and brushing the hair off of this doll. But on the in the real world, Julie is playing it cool. And she's playing it cool on the outside, saying, like, you can kill me, but you sure aren't scaring me. Because that's exactly what Gon wants. He wants her scared. He wants her petrified. He wants the look of fear. And for this encounter to be uh, completely, totally taboo and criminal, and and that's what gets him off. And she's not providing it. And so he gets flustered, and and basically uh, they get into this head-to-head competition because she finds an is tooth and cuts herself free and and then kills him with it. But that, that playing it cool on the outside, you know, trauma is like that. You know, once you've lived with trauma, you try to think yourself out of it again. You know, fight, flight, or freeze. And so primates and humans sometimes smile when they're facing trouble. Mm-hmm. And that's the smile so that their predator can think everything is okay. And then it gives them time to act and get away. And that's exactly what she's doing. The outfit that she's in, uh, that Gon puts her in, is ri- ridiculous. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, it's total sex kitten. Yeah, I mean, the I don't know whether he put her in that or the Isis put, put her in that, but either way, he is just trying to get his jollies off, and she is not playing into it. 
She's not acting like a scared waif. She's not screaming. This isn't the experience that he wants. And luckily, she was able to fight him off and pop his head off, just like that doll in the Outback. They, uh, the comic that's in... Um... The mini-comic that's in Darker Image number one, which is the first appearance of the Max and Julie, um, is not, I don't think, ever recreated on the show itself. Uh, it's got this story in the outback of Max fighting this albino, weird, uh, horn-nosed creature. It's got a big, fat belly, and it's got a big, fat nose, a long, gated neck, and it's called a retcork. Hmm. I don't know what it is. He fights it, he runs from it, he comes crashing into a bungalow that happens to be owned by uh, the Jungle Queen who slashes him and knocks him unconscious. And then she gets on top of him with her, um, uh, I want to call it the corn dog knife, because it literally looks like a corn dog with a knife sticking out of it. <laughs> uh, and she's wearing her typical outfit, you know, she's got like her giant jungle woman hair, her, you know, really huge size butts. Um, and breasts, and then of course it switches over to the real world where she's got like what looks like a syringe and is giving him something to um, sedate him. Yeah. So I want to read a little bit from the trade paperback by Sam Keith. Uh, he does this quote, which I didn't say in the first episode because we had so much to get through, but I want to read it now because I, I don't know, I like it. Okay, so here it is. For the first time in ten years, the first six issues of The Max in one book, with additional volumes continuing up to the last issue, number 35. Image Comics, Max's first publisher, collected two reprints, but we lapsed in collecting the rest. Luckily, DC came along and offered to reprint it all. So as I said, here we are. The Max means different things to different people. Some may know it as That MTV Show, the animated series which ran for a season around 95 or so, some comic fans picked it up during the Image Hoopla, Spawn, Wildcats, Dragon, all the old Image books, and were either disappointed or relieved to discover Max barely fit with mainstream superhero books. To these fans, Max was mostly a fantasy book, a book for outsiders, freaks, loners, introverts who liked to feel sorry for themselves, talked aloud to themselves, and thought whatever they were going through was very important. Typical teenage crap. But whatever, what happens during those years is incredibly important. And that's why the book and its characters are stuck in arrested adolescence. Julie is less focused on helping Max than on falling into a high school projection of him as her prince charming, ailing pet, bunny, boyfriend, animal, all rolled into one. Max himself is too conveniently lost in his own delusions of outbacks and childhood fantasies of saving a social worker, actually his keeper, to see anything clearly. Max refuses to grow up, too. And Mr. Gone is the typical cliched villain-as-shadow character, Silence of the Lambs types, always goring Max into seeing the ugly truth, work which takes the homeless man, Dave, so much energy to sustain. This wasn't planned. None of this book was. It was just a follow-your-nose deal, with swell dialogue by the incredibly talented Mr. William Lobes trying to help me sort it all out. I think what Max meant to Bill was mostly head-scratching and confusing, like many first-time readers. So what does Max mean to me ten years later? Too much. To me, Max is lumpy. Parts, pages, lines are grotesque, yet sometimes sublime and strangely moving. To me, the Max is uneven. Some of the worst god-awful art I have ever drawn is in this book. Laughter. 
People tell me I probably wrote and drew better crafted stories later. Friends of Max, Zero Girl, Four Women. Maybe it's true. I don't know. Maybe Max to me is growing pains. But it's because of this series' flaws and limitations and what it meant to you whenever you first found, read, laughed, squirmed, got bored, or scratched your head and thought, huh, I still don't get it. What the Max is worth rediscovering it is that the Max is worth rediscovering 10 years later. 2003, Sam Keith. Uh, and which trade paperback was that in? That is the Max trade paperback, volume one. From DC Comics? Or Image? Uh, image. Cliff, cliffhanger slash DC. Oh, okay. Um, it is funny that uh, DC... Now the Max is with um, IDW, or it's being published with IDW. I'm not 100% certain on that being official because of how long it took for uh, the Max Batman crossover to be finished. So I'm, I'm assuming the Max is with IDW because they, did, they did publish one other Max book. Yeah, I just wanted to read that because, yes, the Max does mean different things to different people. It obviously means a lot to me because of what I've t talked about previously and what I will continue to talk about on this podcast. It means a lot to me personally. Um, but in that age, when in this childhood, adolescence, teenage years, and a lot of people saw it, it means different things to you. It means different things to other people. And just because he wrote it and he didn't plan for the ending, you know, right in the beginning of the book when he was writing it, it doesn't mean it's invalid. And I think that all of this talk of trauma and rape and torture and all of these things that the Max dives into are poignant. And and it, it's it's important to a lot of people in different ways, like he said. And um, I, I just wanted to share that. In the next episode, so we're on episode four now, right? Yes. Um, not as much action as the the last episode. No, but I I think it's story time. Um. Okay, one second. <clears throat> Is the Max teeth part of his costume? Yes, those teeth are actually part of his mask. Okay. I was like, yeah. Jesus Christ, guy's got an overbite. No, nah, no. Nah. Okay. Story time. Seeing Julie tied up may look like something like I've done when I was a model, but here she's been kidnapped. Not because she wore slutty clothing, but because Mr. Gone was a bad man. My abuser was also a bad man. And I held that secret. And secrets are powerful and can trap you like tethers just as secure as the leather straps around Julie's neck. Like Mr. Gon says, quote, in fact, I can do anything to you I want. And my abuser could have. I was never strong enough to stop my abuser. Maybe I thought I deserved it at the time. He says... Women taunt and tease because they're attractive, and then they punish you for being attracted. I, I thought that I was being punished, and the scene was very strong for me. 
But like any underage, like any underage girl, I didn't deserve it. He was wrong, and it wasn't my fault. After she kills Mr. Gone, she says, and I'm going to be just fine. And she says that she weeps. And I wept right along with her, knowing that I wasn't fine, but I needed to be fine. A really bad dream it was, like Max says. My really bad dream. In episode five, we're introduced to Sarah, who again, I empathized with. My father was absent, not caring enough to be in my life. And I suffered from these feelings of not being good enough. She says, Sarah says, because I'm fat and ugly and I have zits and glasses. So I try to run away from myself by shutting everyone else out. I did that too. Why did my dad forget about me? Why wasn't he there to protect me from my abuser? The anger and the gun in her pocket was what I feared for myself. I already tried to kill myself once. And if I had had a gun, I would have been successful. But as Sarah says, writers have to have experiences. And I had those in spades. And I'll stop there. Is uh, You want to get into the description of, of who the character Sarah is? Yeah. Sarah is a um, frizzy-haired adolescent girl who's going through high school, who has a friend named Jimmy, who is both friend and kind of a bully at the same time. She is trying to be a writer. She wants to be a writer, but she doesn't feel that she's good enough to be a writer. And so she's hanging around with Max, who says that he knows her father. And yet she didn't even really know her father because her father left when she was a baby. Mm-hmm. You know, she believes that he was killed, that he committed suicide. And we find out in the comics far on that he was not uh, killed. And in fact, Mr. Gone is her father. Oh. Yes, we find that out in the comics. But not on the show. I think it is alluded to in the show. I'm not. I, I forget exactly how far the show goes versus the comics because I did reread the comic series for mm-hmm. this. If they ever did a Max live action show, who should play the Max? Live action movie or something? Oh, live action. Um, I don't know. It would have to be someone short and stocky because he's got a very weird proportion to his body like the way Sam Keith draws him is like his feet are very huge and his head is kind of small and his arms are big and it's drawn so that if you were to tilt the page and kind of squint your eyes that you can sometimes see Max himself just being um, a top view of someone's head and shoulders gotcha so it's meant to have that you know twisted version of, of the character so I don't know who would play him in a live-action show. And we might have the uh, voice actress who plays Sarah on the show with us coming up, possibly. Hopefully. Hopefully. <laughs> uh, what is this mask that Mr. Gon is wearing, this uh, tribal mask? I think it's just a basic, uh, what's supposed to be like an Australian mask, an mm-hmm. aboriginal mask. It's not 
really reminiscent of anything specific. It's just more of like a conglomerate of different type of styles. I couldn't pin down any particular style or, or one another from that. Um, but he says he uses it to uh, gather ises. I don't know how. Hmm. Um, Gon points out that Max is stronger here in the real world than it seems to be in the Outback. Yeah, he's stronger in the real world uh, because in the Outback it's almost as if he doesn't have any challenge. Like, he is the, the hero of the Outback. So anything that he comes up against, he can defeat easily. But in the real world, he's a bum. So everything he has to fight is real. And so his strength has to be so strong to defeat all of that. Did you know in the next upcoming episodes of the Max, the Beavis and Butthead appear? I did, I did not realize that at the moment. <laughs> yeah, but that makes sense considering how big Beavis and Butthead were on MTV at this time. I mean, this was yeah, the height of Beavis and Butthead. They were huge. Yeah, 93, 94, Beavis and Butthead blew up. Yeah. So that makes a lot of sense. There would be some crossovers with that. Um, and I don't think we have any crossovers with any other image character, or well, Beavis Better aren't image characters, but we don't have any crossovers with image characters on the Max. Because the Max was on MTV, Savage Dragon, and Wildcats were on USA Network, uh, which is, cracks me up. Wildcats and Savage Dragon should have been on the MTV as well. They could have gotten away with a massive amount more violence. Um, oh, totally. They watered the Savage Dragon down because they made him, like, you know, pol- you know green man police cop you know, superhero kind of guy who fought freaky-looking villains, um, just cutting out a lot of the violence and sex that is in the in the, uh, in the the Savage Dragon book. I mean, Savage Dragon bangs a lot of chicks, so... He does. Yeah, that he is does. not He's in not. the USA cartoon. <laughs> uh, yeah, and, and Wildcats is a group of assassins, um, good guy assassins, and of course, you know, they, they suck Spawn on the, on the correct channel, which was HBO. Uh, agreed. Yeah, agreed. Um, and then I think Youngblood and uh, 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 Silverhawk were the only two that never got their own uh, animated whatevers. Um, and then of course, a few years later, they would do Witchblade on TNT. So, yeah, which uh, make, would make it the second Image comic property to uh, break out of the pages uh, into live action because Spawn, the Spawn movie, came out in '97. Ah. Uh. Uh, Sarah's mother is like this hippie 1960s groovy gal. Yes, I noticed that. Not much of a mother, but definitely wants to be Sarah's friend more than a mothering figure. Yeah. And that kind of fucks with Sarah as well. You know, having to mother your own mother is is not really a good position to have a teenage girl in. I mean, it's just basically, just like... Most of the females and uh, uh, Sam Keith and Max are drawn with these just outrageously ridiculous features, um, and it's just like big tits and asses. It's just like just they're. It, it's really hard to describe just the way Sam Keith draws. I know, but I love it. I absolutely love the way the Max is drawn. The show, the comic book. It's to me, it's beautiful artwork. And it has a lot more meaning behind the drawings uh, because the text that goes with them, just like in the show, because it's ripped from the pages, it's just moving. It's very moving to me. And then in episode five, in episode five, by the way, we get a mom, dad kind of like uh, comic book splash um, 
you know, wording, just like when the Max is chopping up the Izzes, we get a lot of, like, Batman-style pow, zip, boom, zap, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. There's there's a, there's a lot of that going on. Um, and I believe from episode three... Uh, also, episode, just... episode three is all of comic number two, and then episodes uh, four is comic three and episode five is only a portion of comic four. Did you notice what's on Sarah's wall, by the way? When her mother is uh, consoling her? I didn't notice. I didn't take note of that. Okay, Pink Floyd, um, ZZ Tops, The Lord of the Rings. Uh, I want to say Free Willy, but I think it just says Free Will. Uh, posters. <laughs> Peace. Make love, not war, more of the hippie stuff. But Lord of the Rings, is, it's very funny. Uh, Save the whales, yin and yang sign, the, Id- the Idris tree from um, Asgardian lore, mm-hmm. Greenpeace, Jimi Hendrix. I have it playing right now so that way I can read it all at the same time. Uh, Lost Pebbles. Uh, yeah, that's all I can identify. Space? It just says space. I don't know what that's supposed to be. But basically they do a quick zip around her room. And Sarah's in shadow while her mother's uh, holding her. Sarah's hair is drawn like a lot of the way you see like the strands of the Max's costume. You know what I mean? Like unraveling yeah. off of him. Very, very thready. Yes. Ext- like It looks very much the same. Yeah, in the comic... There's actually a picture from um, Neil Gaiman's Death List. It's the death. Yes. Uh, whenever, uh, when it said that Jimmy uh, thinks the death, uh, they have tattoos and stuff saying how romantic death is. But Jimmy knows the truth, like me. Death is hard, cold, and ugly. Not some hot chick. Hmm. I don't know. But it's up for, for sh- interpretation, depending on who it's supposed to be. Um, some people <laughs> think death is like, you know, this is life. This is death. Why am I going? You got what everyone else got. You got a life, which is from Sam Keith's run on the ma- on on Sandman, by the way. That's a great line. I love that line. And if you uh, if you go on YouTube, anyone listening to the podcast, watch the trailer for Sandman uh, coming out this November. I mean, we're getting just an influx of shows on Netflix, and Sandman is one of them. And so far, this show looks like the comic book. Nice. And if you haven't listened to it yet, pick up... Um, oh, do I have it right here? Yes, it is. Okay. So pick up uh, the Audible original Sandman Act 2. Um, it's never only a dream. Uh, this uh, is the uh, the voice cast from the first act uh, returning for Act 2 of Neil Gaiman's Sandman's original Audible series. Oh, nice. Yes. So Sandman is definitely in the zeitgeist. Um uh, James McAvoy, best known as Charles Xavier on the more recent X-Men films, plays yeah. Sandman. Ooh, that'd be good. Yes, he's very good in it. I'm not too familiar with who the actor is who's playing Sandman on the TV show. He definitely looks very young, uh, but he's got the look to him, if not the long hair. They gave him more of the short hair look. But Charles Dance is in the show. He plays one of the summoners who captures the Sandman back in the, like 100 years ago. Okay. I'm just hoping the TV show will acknowledge the fact that there have been other people who became a Sandman. 
Um, yeah, because that's kind of important to the character. Extremely important to the character that he finds out that superhero, you know, the superhero genre rose up while he was imprisoned up until the '90s. Because he's in prison for like a hundred years, from like the 1890s to the 1990s or 1980s, excuse me, when the comic book is published, and he finds out about the Golden Age Sandman, Wesley Dobbs, and he finds out about Sandy, his 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 sidekick. Um, and then of course, you know, there's, there's the, you know, the Justice League, you know, he's like, what is going on? Like, he's from a time period, we didn't have colorful superheroes like Superman. And he's like, what the hell is going on? Like, he doesn't feel like he's as needed anymore because there are gods walking around, you know, with colored lassos and capes from another planet, you know, <laughs> and, and his interaction with, with, um, with John Jones, the Martian Manhunter of Mars, I think is perfect. I, it's just a matter of like, who do they have licensing for? Now, if this is on HBO Max, it might, they might have it licensed to anybody. But anyway, that, that's just a whole other thing. And the reason why we just talk about Sandman is, again, because Sam Keith was the artist on those books for a long time. I just love his artwork, period. Yes, definitely. I don't have any more notes for these uh, episodes. Um, this uh, last episode is very Sarah-centric, very dark, very moody. Not a lot of action. No, not a lot of action, but we have that angsty... A teenager vibe, you know, that this whole show has, but Sarah exemplifies that, you know, her trying to have experiences under the, un, under the overpass and just, just trying to live her life while her best friend is kind of shitting on her and, and putting her down so that he can be cool. Like this is totally high school and I am there for it. Hmm. Definitely. You can find us on the Dead TV Podcast on Facebook, or you can send us an email, thatradiopower at gmail.com. If you're on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever else you listen to it, please leave a rating. Apparently this gets picked up and caught by other podcast streaming services that I'm not 100% aware of. There's a lot of them out there, actually. There's a lot more than I even realized. But uh, you can also find us on our usual Twitters at ChrisDSAV or at ElegantlyKinky. And we are, I'm in a couple of the MTV and Max uh, groups. I'm in one MTV group, which I haven't posted to yet, and I'm in the Max group. And we posted the first episode, and a lot of people gravitated to it. Uh, I guess a lot of people hadn't been posting about the cartoon in that group, because the reaction to posting about the cartoon and covering it on a podcast was very good. So that was awesome to see the reaction to it. So we'll definitely be posting this episode in there as well. That will be on the Max until, I think, uh, the end of the month. And then we'll be joining it over to a light-hearted horror comedy show, which I'm looking forward to. Because the Max is depressing as all get out. I know, I know. And these therapy sessions are difficult for me to write down every day. So. Yeah, so I'm <laughs> definitely looking forward to, after therapy, having a laugh, let's just yeah. say. Indeed, indeed. I'll yes. Before we go to racial injustice, which is basically what the, the Alienation show will be covering heavily of. Yeah, that's gee, how relevant can we talk about Alienation with today's bullshit? Oh, gee, I don't know. Probably a lot, but we'll get there. Um, we'll get there. Yeah. We'll get there. Uh, did you ever see Blight, by the way? No. Do you know what it is? No. The sequel got delayed, but it should be on Netflix next year. It's the cop drama movie, a fantasy with Will Smith. Uh, his partner is the first troll. I, I mean, like an actual troll or an ogre or something. Whatever. I oh. don't know the difference. Oh. To become a police officer. I thought it was okay. Will Smith just plays an angry cop the entire time, which is very unusual for him. I, I, I I'm gonna be rewatching it when we watch Alienation because I think the comparison there is very heavy. 
You know okay. what I mean? Because I think Alien Nation, you know, again, they use the visitors to replace, like, oh, there's racism against black people or Jews or Hispanics or whatever, you know, minorities. Now it's the new, we're all one people, but now these spotted head people are the bad people. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because yeah. The, the whole point is that one cop becomes, you know, the one alien becomes a cop for the first time. So. Well, well, we're doing Reaper before Alien Nation, so right. we've got some some happiness in there, some lighthearted. Oh yeah, we'll be talking we about all the him. fun you can have with Satan and the Devil coming up soon, because literally that's what that show is about. Because <laughs> <laughs> they would obviously take some cues to do that later on when they do Lucifer, who's uh, which is also a pretty lighthearted take with Satan. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. And we'll be back in a couple of weeks with another couple of exciting episodes, two or three episodes of The Max. Good night. Stay home, dear friends, and come again to behold the mysteries of MTV's oddities.